Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Shopstall Podcast, a podcast for woodworkers and the maker community in general. This is episode number 19. My name is Robin Lewis from RobinLewisMakes.com. I'm joined by Joey Chalk from King Post Timberworks. Hello. And John Crawford from Periodic Furniture Studio. Oh. We live stream the recording on YouTube every Thursday evening at 6 p.m. Australian Eastern Standard Time or UTC plus 10. Or you can watch or listen to it later on YouTube, iTunes or SoundCloud. Just a quick note there. Next week, we will be going back to Thursdays for all of you joining us in the chat. Speaking of the chat, I want to say hello to everyone. We'll get to your comments uh, towards the end of the show, but feel free to chat amongst yourselves. The idea being that this is also a place for people to meet. So before we get started, I've just got one quick announcement. He's gone. <laughs> yes. Right. <laughs> we can talk, talk amongst yourself, people. Yeah. Uh, oh, jeez. That's for Joey reaching a thousand, hundred thousand subscribers. <laughs> oh yeah, I saw that. That's pretty good, Gallon. You went out of your way to buy party poppers. I. Uh, that is awesome. <laughs> Is that more celebration than you had for yourself, Joey? I want, Jordan, I wanted to get you in on it as well. And I was like, oh, if we could all just, if we could both do it, that'd be amazing. But then I thought with you being away, it's, yeah, we wouldn't be able to do it. Oh, I could have probably gone out today. That's a shame. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, that's awesome. That's, that's so cool. Crazy. Oh, oh man, yeah. I was, um, I saw it was getting close. Yeah. I had to go out to the airport, pick up my brother. Um, for, uh, yeah, he admit that, well, he came in at like midnight. And um, so I'm sitting there watching the, um, sitting there waiting for the plane to come. It was delayed. So sitting there watching the, the numbers tick up and sitting there with my old man, I said, I bet they don't come out until it reaches 100,000. <laughs> and so we waited for two hours waiting for them. And then 30 seconds after it ticked over, they walk out the doors and off we went. <laughs> so <laughs> it was crazy. That's beautiful. Yeah. I'm, I'm really excited to see what the process is now because I've seen all these people who get you because you'll get now a, a plaque in the mail. Well, that's, that's what I'm a little bit worried about. I, I actually went on my YouTube account because I was I was thought, man, did I ever enter an address when I'm filling out any forms? Or, or sure, because that's what the address was four years ago. And, you would have for your for the billing purposes of your AdSense. Yeah. Well, I'm not sure if they're just going to send it to some random address, which I don't even know where it is or how to change it. So we'll see what happens. <laughs> and you didn't get any notific any message or notification from well, YouTube to say, like, well, point. I don't know. Let me check Nothing. my Gmail. Yeah, because I would have thought you would have got some kind of a an email, at least for from, them to say, like. From you know, what I've done. seen on um, from other guys, they don't get their um, the plaques for, like, months afterwards. Yeah, so. yeah. No, nothing. Nothing no. on Gmail. Well, but, it's yeah. it's uh, the 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 bar has been set, Jordan. We need to yeah. we need to sort ourselves out and. Uh, oh, I don't even know if I've gone over eight thousand. I was getting close, <laughs> but it doesn't sound as impressive as a hundred thousand. <laughs> well, you were at sixty something. Don't. Forget. Oh, I mean, yeah, that's that's my main channel, but. Yeah, you basically made a career. You deleted that channel. It's uh, it's still there, but it's just okay. not very active. You're oh, look, I, agree. I have 8,001 subscribers on my oh, right. Look at that. Yes, I'm not adding to it. Or right. if I do only a technical video, like a how-to, if I'm okay. doing something cool. Yeah. yeah. 
Yeah, right. cool. Well, good on you. Good on you, Joe. Yeah, it's really cool. it's, it's a bit strange, but it doesn't feel any different, to be honest. It's just yeah. a number. Just another day. <laughs> um, All right. So uh, one other thing, the we now have a uh, location set for the meter mate the Maker Meetup in uh, May, May the 5th. Uh, so it's going to be, there's a place in South Brisbane. I'll have details in the show notes below. Um, it's called the Fox Hotel. It's going to be on the Saturday, probably around 4.35-ish. We'll meet up there and it'll just be a couple of hours. We'll see how the night goes. Um, but at this stage, that's where it's going to be. We obviously want to see as many of you guys there as possible. If you need more information, feel free to get in touch with some of us. But that's where it's going to be. 5th of May, the Fox Hotel. Come say hi to us. Yep. Well, All right. Fun. So, Joey, what have you been working on this week? Okay, I have pretty much finished off this other kitchen that I was, I'm not sure if I even talked about it, but yeah, had a kitchen to do. Not the kitchen, is it? Not the kitchen, had another one straight after that, so pretty much I'm going to install that tomorrow morning, and to be honest, my head has been way not in that job, and so I'm kind of freaking out a little bit, because I'm not 100% sure that I've crossed all my T's and dotted hmm. eyes and things so we'll soon find out at about 10 a.m tomorrow morning <laughs> so um, so you've done all the, you've built all the carcasses everything yeah everything's sitting there ready and i've actually done the bench tops on this one as well and that's what the kitchen island was that i made which is my last video that i just made that i kind of made both at the same time but it focused more on the on the island hmm. um because they've got nothing at the moment so i thought get them something to work on so they've had that for a week or whatever it's been. And they're living um, in the house with no kitchen. Yeah. Yeah. Well, they're kind of, it's half renovated. So they they had ripped it out. They've got a, they had a temporary sink set up and they were polishing the floors and painting walls and things. So, Oh, sorry. So it's not, so it's not a new build. No, no, no. Oh, okay. Right. Um, anyway, so that's going in tomorrow. And the thing that's been taking my brain power has been this extension table that I've been working on. Um, it's oak, oak, yeah, all oak, and it's got uh, cherry breadboard ends on it. And nice. I've made something like this before, very similar. Um, the mechanism, anyway, I've made the mechanism before, and so I learned some lessons last time. And so I've, I think I've helped myself. At the moment, I've just finished the glue up and. Um, I came home from the, as I was driving home from the glue up, I kind of suddenly thought, oh my God, I made a mistake. Um, and it's too difficult to explain what it is now, but it's about a two or three millimeter, possibly a three millimeter mistake. And um, I'll find out tomorrow morning when I take the clamps off, if it actually slides, then it's good. If it doesn't slide, <laughs> then I did make a three millimeter mistake and it's going to be jammed shut. So um, <laughs> that is no good. <laughs> so with that table, are uh, your uh, insert leaves solid wood as well? Yes. And is it, sorry, is it, um, what do they call it? You know where it's hinged and it flips around no, enough or is it just a storage? No, I keep the leaf, I hang rails under the table and the, the spare leaf sits under the table. So it has a little cavity. Yeah, just, just like three little sticks that the, the, the leaf sits on. Mm -hmm. uh, so you pull the table apart and 
pull out the leaf, turn it 90 degrees and set it in place. Yeah. Um, Sorry, are you saying it's not hinged? No, it's not a butterfly top. <laughs> so it's a, a separate leaf. So in the old days, the leaf would be stored in a cupboard or something and you'd extend your table and go to the broom cupboard, pick it, pick out the, the leaf and put it in place. But then um, what, what locks it in there once you put it in? Because doesn't it just then, you know, it could just slide off? Uh, I, I put dominoes in. Got like pins to stop like, it from yeah. sliding. Oh, okay. Yeah. In gotcha. the olden times, you'd use like a brass little bit of dowel or just a nail, <laughs> anything, yeah. like a, a dowel or something. Um, I'll just make up some oak dominoes and use them as the the locking pins so it doesn't just slide out. Yeah. The way I make my extension is that the actual rails of the table are, are big, long sliding dovetails in them. And so the rails just uh, kind of telescope mm. rather than doing one of the other many ways to do it. So are you concerned with the insert um, like bowing or, and not fitting flat? flat with the remaining top or is the, that so what i'm doing is having the grain the long grain is going across the table okay all right and so all three panels will have breadboard ends getting it flat. so the only possible issue is that if there's a lot of um, expansion outwards the middle of the panels will be touching but there'll be a gap at the breadboards yeah. If you know what I mean. So the, the, in theory, you could have like a millimeter or two millimeter gap Either side where, the, where the breadboards meet on the edge of the table. But, um, you know, it's going into a new home. It's going to be pretty dry, so I'm not too worried. Yeah. Oh, cool. Um, so, yeah, that's taking my brain power. What else? Um, that's probably about it. That's worth talking about. Cool. So it's, it sounds then like you may have a few projects on the go at once. <laughs> yes. <laughs> that might tie in later. <laughs> oh, king of segways. <laughs> so, so, John, you've obviously been in the on the road. Do you want to give us an update of uh, yeah. and, and how close you are to just throwing it all away? Oh, I am so close. So, yeah, today is... Uh, well, I'm in Wollongong now, so we have our last show tomorrow, and then I'm home on Wednesday night after doing all of the gear drop-offs and all of that annoying stuff, which has to happen at the end of the tour. But yeah, it's been a hell of a week, so I haven't stopped traveling. I haven't had any sleep. It's been terrible venues with no <laughs> loading docks, and basically, it's my body is broken, my... Uh, my what's the word I'm looking for? My mental, <laughs> yeah, my soul is gone, and my mental uh, state is just cloudy because I haven't had a solid rest. How uh, long is the show? Too long. Uh, no, uh, the show <laughs> itself is about two hours, but we do two yes. a night, so it's like what? I'm getting oh in, God. getting into the venue at lunchtime, and have to be set up by like five o'clock so we can do sound checks. And then we do a show and then we have like 40 minutes and then we do another show and then right. we bump out the show. And in these venues I have been playing, it's been like uh, either up a, a single person elevator so it can only fit one or two road cases at a time or it's up a massive mm. flight of stairs and what? Who books uh, this through thing, a yeah? corridor and out. Uh, not having many praise at this stage uh, uh. from anyone. But yeah, it's just been like you know the rooms are good. 
the, the crowd's are good and they're getting a good show. It's just right. as far as it goes for us being the tech guys, it's yeah. uh, a word I won't say on a live <laughs> broadcast, but it's, Fair enough. Yeah, it's a little bit stupid. So tomorrow's your last one? Is that tomorrow night? Yeah, so tomorrow I leave here uh, and I'll do the same process I just said, but I think it's in an actual theater tomorrow and it's in Camden. Uh, so that's like maybe an hour away from where we are now. So at least I get a bit of a late checkout and we'll drive down, set up, uh, and then it's finally done. So it's it feels like it's been forever. And then you you fly back home you don't drive back yeah so i fly back to perth uh, okay, on yeah. wednesday night and on thursday morning i have to go and pick up all this crap i've bought while away for a few projects all right so that'll be exciting though this should be back yeah. to something more enjoyable than Still there. i've been yeah. i've been like phoned about four times by these guys and like are you coming to pick it up is it materials or machines uh a bit of both so i've got a mortiser uh, attachment coming for the uh, big, what are we saying, 10 theater tables that I'm doing. Right. Uh, and I've got all the stock for them as well. Cool. And then some secondhand crap because I am very uh, killing a lot of time on Gumtree at the moment. <laughs> I must say, you, you, seem to, you guys seem to have some, a, a decent um, selection of secondhand machinery. Um, we just have nothing that's, mm. nothing that's worth yeah. it. The one thing I have been doing because I'm in all these weird towns and this is actually a good thing to talk about so it relates to woodworking is like going to all these secondhand machinery shops or antique shops and just like seeing what they have because there's a chance mm. to get a, a bargain and where I think it was Taree which was an interesting tech shop just on the main strip and I walked in and in there was a proper tool chest, a cabinet maker's, oh sorry, a, a joinery uh, yeah. So door and all that sort of uh, maker's tool chest with every single uh, wooden plane with every <laughs> cove profile, OG's beading bits. Yeah. So he had number seven planes. He had all the chisels, the ripping mm. saws and the crosscut saws, like complete set. Um, everything had everything it needed. So all the blades were there, all of the jam, whatever they're called. Everything was there. Nothing was missing pieces. And he wanted two and a half grand for it, which I well, felt was really fair for decent. a complete uh, toolkit like that. And I was so, so close to just saying, I'll oh, stuff it, I'll, I'll get it because it's an investment. <laughs> but I, yeah, I kind of regret not doing it now. Did it was just see, awesome. Did you happen to see that um, if the wooden planes were insect damaged or did, did they look all right? They were all, all used. Uh, yeah. Some of them had like the hardwood, you know, when you skim the bottom out and you put yeah. a new piece of wood on. Right. Some of them had that on, but most of them were huh. plenty of iron left on it too. So Jeez. could have been a cool thing to get. Sounds like it. <laughs> yeah. It's, I still like, I've got his business card and I can still call him and just get put on a courier truck one day if he's still got it. But he also had this, um, it was an ebony and brass smoothing plane from somewhere in England. I didn't catch the brand, but it was seven and a half thousand dollars. Jeez. Oof. Yeah. You had some good stuff. I, I, I do think it's also be, it's also where you are. Like up here in Townsville, being a smaller city, 
there's not that much available and you've certainly got to draw for it. But yeah, yeah. I know uh, one of the other uh, YouTube woodworkers, uh, Colin Black Byron, he picked up a panel, I think it was a panel saw. I think it had a sliding arm for like next to nothing on one of these auction sites down in Adelaide. Right. So I'm guessing, you know, Sydney, Melbourne, that's where you'll find all the stuff. But I've found up here, it's not, yeah, it's not that much available. And I, I look almost every day. Yeah, I have a, like a radius I have. So like I'll go 250 kilometer radius around wherever I'm searching. Mm. And I'll, you know, I'm willing to drive if the price is right. Yeah. 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 But yeah, that's no, been Robin, cool. what have you been doing? Uh, there we go. I'm back. Sorry, just replying to Ben in the chat. Um, so I finished my uh, the best net crib. Right. Yes. Uh, so so yeah. Super. Super happy with how it turned out. Uh, one little thing. So sorry. So did you guys, uh, Jordan? I'm guessing you haven't. But Joey, you watched the video, right? Yeah. The one thing that I'm still not particularly happy about for and this will make sense to anyone who's watched the video, the the rod that stops the thing from swinging. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it's sort of like it was a bit of a uh, – it was the best solution I could come up with, but, you know, that's it's, – it's okay. The rest of it, though, so happy with how it came out. Considering that wood was so soft and um, some of it was pre pretty twisted as well, the feel of it, of that wood, is just – because it's oil, so there's no, there's no film finish. It's just it's, like – it's just so Silky. it's so nice to touch. Mm. Yeah. So nice. Um, yeah, that. So those little that big long pin that rod you've got. Mm. Is it? Can you not just have a small one at each end? So that was my original idea, but then halfway through, I decided to make those those extra what I called washers that that added some more strength to the twenty five mil yeah. dowel. Yeah. Right now, because of that gap. If you try and uh, put it through there, that's too much play. Now, what I could do, and this is what I might do in the future, is brass. Yeah, some something maybe a bit more solid would work, but eventually yeah. that dowel hole through the leg, it's gonna it's gonna wear that yeah. away eventually. So what I could do is I, th I think if you have three points of contact, then it won't be so bad. So on that piece of MDF underneath, if I was to screw something in with another hole, so it basically goes through the leg through the frame and then into another piece, your pin will only need to be that long right. because you've now got those three points of contact. I think it might work better. So I could do that in the future. That's that's an idea. Um, yeah, as Ian says, maybe two brass shorter rods. That could work. Um, but it, I'm not going to worry about making that type of adjustment yet because it's all going to depend on how we use it. Mm. When, you when might Bob's end up just wanting it locked all the time. Exactly. <laughs> put a screw in it. <laughs> yeah. So that's why I'm not too, I'll, you know, I'll get to that later. And who knows, maybe, maybe Bubs isn't even going to be able to, isn't going to want to sleep in the thing at all. That's right. So, you know, we'll, we'll. That can I'll, happen. <laughs> yeah. I'll get to that when we do, but just, just the overall, like that was the first time I've done um, dial joinery on the, yeah. The frame, I've never had good luck with that. And this was the first time that I actually said, no, I'm going to put some time in and actually make it work. And it turned out cool. Um, that rail, that, that through tenon, uh, minus a couple of small details here and there, super tight fit. That's, that is yeah, rock, rock solid. So happy with how that turned out. So, yeah. And I'm not sure if you showed it or if I missed it. That, that through tenon um, stuck through stuck past the vertical 
Yeah. Did you leave those the, the end of the ten inch square, or did you chamfer it off? So I gave I pillowed it a bit with um, right. just with some sandpaper. Yeah. But on one of them, on the one edge, this was one of the problems I was talking about. When I was cutting it off, because I'm used to it just being a, a, a would you call it a stop tenon where you can't see it on the other yeah. end? Yeah. I just went straight in and and, and cut so off the shoulder without thinking. Right. And so when it came through, I was like, oh, it just it just looks a bit average. Rough. Yeah. Yeah. Huh. Uh, but yeah, as soon as the, then I rounded over those edges, it sort of disguised it a little bit. Um, but yeah, the only thing I was a bit unsure about, maybe you guys can can clarify this. Should I have like pinned that tenon or, or wedged it or something? Or because essentially now I've got a glue join where the, the fibers are crossed like that. Is I mean, is that a strong it's enough strong. Um Personally, with that tenon being as tight as it was, I mean, there's there's no racking movement in it. There's mm. no sloppiness. If there was sloppiness, that's when you kind of key it home with, I would say, a dowel or something. But mm. I mean, in that case, for what it is, I think it's it's probably fine, unless mm. you wanted to also add decoration and use a another coloured dowel or something like that. But yeah, I mean, having not seen it, I don't really know what you're mm. referring to. But <laughs> yes. I'm I'm assuming I'm going to watch it tonight. Don't worry. But I'm assuming it's like the the stretch of between the two uprights that mm. that yeah. is tenant here. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, um, I I think it's pretty strong because if you you know my saw horses I use the tall ones with real like the narrow skinny ones I have oh, yeah. the same construction on that mm. same construction on that and I put hundred kilo slabs on that all the time and I can push them around yeah. and drag it and I've I had one fail but that was just dragging it from one arm with weight on top of it so it's pretty beating it up basically yeah yeah exactly so I wouldn't I must say. Um, that I didn't, I don't think you showed putting wheels on, no. on the whole thing. But when I saw that at the end, I was like, man, that, that is genius. Assuming that you've got nice smooth floors like, like that through your house. Um, yeah. like, so being able to like put bubs to sleep in the lounge or whatever, and then just shoot them off into the other room yeah. and he doesn't know anything's happened. Like that's, um, that's an awesome idea. Yeah. Cheers. So yeah. That, 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 the kid out and then you wake them up and then, yeah. It's yeah, cool. cheers. Yeah, no, that that was that was sort of the idea was that yeah, it it's a it's a co-sleeper at night when uh, me and mm. the wife are sleeping, but then while we're in the lounge, let's say if we want to be watching TV, we can still have the baby with us, yeah, you know, in in a, in a normal cot or crib mm. configuration. So yeah, it's a good multi-use thing. It's pretty interesting. It'd be interesting to see how it works practically. Um, yeah, day to day. Yeah, and I and this is this baby better enjoy it because if this baby doesn't, <laughs> like it, I'm they don't appreciate anything. <laughs> Labrador would appreciate that, surely. Yeah. All right. So let's get into tonight's topic. I'm just bringing it up here. So uh, tonight we're going to talk about uh, how we organize and stay on top of multiple projects at one time. Um, so it's basically how we find time for each project when another one is, is trying to take time off us which is what Joey was talking about earlier. And I, I would like to possibly get into how we manage that, what, what you could consider downtime, which is yeah. something's, you know, we've got a bit of a lull. You could be making the most of that time doing something else. Um, so I guess, Joey, I might hand this off to you. Uh, sure, I'll, I'll give my some initial thoughts and then 
probably end up coming back around. Um, <laughs> so I actually mentioned this topic uh, last week or something uh, off air with the guys because my, initially I wanted some brainstorming from the guys to help me with dealing with cl- multiple client jobs coming in. Um, and mainly the, the issue there was how do I deal with um, keeping track of the gazillion things I need to do in the office side of it. Um, and so maybe we could talk about that later as well. But so if we go to the job part, um, so I always, almost always have got two jobs on. So for me, it's, um, I, I find most jobs take one or two days of hundred percent kind of mental power on that, that job to get crucial cuts done and, all the crucial parts that you really need to be concentrating on. And and so once you're there, it's, it's a matter of either finishing pieces off sanding or starting to get prepped for finish, you know, things like that. And so that's when you can start another job because you're, all you really need to do is, um, so for example, uh, let's say you have, um, a dining table to do, you could get it to the stage where you could start finish sanding some of the parts. That is a pretty slow, can be slow and boring. Um, and your next job, let's say your next job is another table. Before you start sanding the first one, you go and dress and glue up the top for the other one. And while yeah. that's gluing, yeah. you can just go back for two hours and be sanding. And that's hundred percent mm. useful time management. Mm. So that's like, that's kind of the topic at its core, I suppose. There's lots of different little finickety bits about that, but mm. yeah. So, in, in terms of the in terms of managing the customers, do you, I mean, do you see managing the different, you know, the different uh, projects coming in? Do you see that different to when the the projects are? In, sort of in your workshop, so to speak. I mean, is there a difference between managing the cust- the clients <clears throat> to managing the different projects or is it all just the same? Um, once I have a job deposit paid for and I put the job up on the board as this is the next job in the queue, I, I pretty much don't think about it. I don't have to do anything. I know exactly what I'm going to make. Mm. I know roughly when I'm going to be wanting to buy materials for it. And so I don't have to think about it at all, really, that I kind of there's like no, there's nothing to do. But it's so. Those, but this this is a job that's in the future somewhere, or it's so. It's in it'll be in the queue. Say maybe I've got four jobs and it goes in at number five. Oh, oh right. Sorry, I thought you right. meant like you you were starting work on it, but you it was still in the queue. No, of, right, no, no. just is establishing. So the, yeah. So what I find is very difficult is um, dealing with all the client inquiries. And, oh, can you come and do this measure up? Because we w- really want you to do the work and we, we used you four years ago and we want you to come and build us another bookcase. Mm-hmm. Case in point, this is meant to be happening this week. Um, and I'm like, okay, I don't really work like that anymore. Um, let's get a price to you before I spend the whole day tra- traveling to you. 
Mm-hmm. Oh no, we we're pretty sure that we're going to use you because you did such a good job last time. Yeah, don't you, you know? Pretty sure pay bills these days. Yeah, you need to come and measure up, so then you can. And I'm like, okay, well, let me see if I can work out another way to. Uh, <laughs> maybe I can do three or four different tr- um, kind of errands on the on the same trip, um, and so that's one way I help to deal with having a day off and so if i don't get the job at least i've picked something up or something else but yeah i get a lot of um it's very hard to be specific because i don't want to talk about specific clients but um, there's lots of um can you do this for me can you do this for me when am i going to get my quote and i know i need to do all these things but which order i put them in and how do i remember to do them sometimes is very difficult Especially when you're in a job and you've got your head 100% in it, you get a phone call that says, "Oh, can you call me back later? I want uh, a, a dining suite made from you." Like, oh, great! That'd be great. Hang up the phone, carry on working, and then three days later, you wake up in the middle of the night. You're like, "Oh my god!" <laughs> yeah. Jump out of bed. Just that client. I just probably lost the job. <laughs> so it's yeah, very difficult to to be a one man band in, in that. Um, sense. Do you find that you actually stick to your list? So you talked about it's just about adding stuff to the the queue. Do you actually generally stick with that queue or is stuff constantly in motion? Uh, It's just about locked in all the time because that's the order. I I make job, I do jobs based on how the deposits come in. Mm. Often I'm quoting on multiple jobs and even giving, sending people deposit invoices. Um, and they might go out in the order of one, two, three, four, five, but the payments will come in five, four, three, two, one. Mm. And that's the order they get made in. Yeah. Even if that first client, I've been dealing with them for six months trying to get the, um, the job sorted and they're, you know, being a bit slow about getting back to me or whatever just because I've been dealing with them longer doesn't mean they get to automatically get me next. It's just who pays me first. Um, And so once that job, sorry. No, no, sorry. Yeah. I was just going to say once that, that money comes in, that's their place. They're next in line. Right. That's it. So, I mean, my question would be, is there exceptions to that rule? So say if you've got three customers lined up, uh, all the deposits come in around the same time, but if mm. someone has a deadline that is sooner than the other, yeah. do you still shuffle things around yeah. if it works for everyone? Yeah, I will, will do that in that case if if there's a situation. That, I mean, that actually tends to happen fairly often where... <laughs> yeah, that's what happens with me a lot. Yeah, if you um, come in and you say, right, that's almost, almost my first question these days is when do you need it by... And if it's reasonable time frame, I'm like, okay, I can shuffle you here. Yeah. The, this client actually isn't going to be ready for another month because they're still roofing their house, and so I can sh- I can shuffle you before them. And so a, and that as well takes up a crap load of brain power because yeah. you're mentally juggling your list around, but you don't. Well, I don't always physically change the list on whatever list I happen to have, and. Yeah. Um, and it kind of compounds because you you, have, you make one little mental change, switching two jobs around, and then oh the next day you've got to make another change and you're still remembering the other change 
and mm. just, they, they get bigger yeah. and bigger. And at some point, I, I'm just like, right, I can't think. I've got to just rewrite everything out, which I should be doing every day. But there's, I don't seem to have any motivation to actually <laughs> sit and write that list out in the right order. So, John, you've um, you've got uh, Ellen helping you with the business, don't you? No, not really. So I have um, my sister helps out a, a little bit. Yeah. At this stage, and I'm about to get someone in just for once a week, casual, uh, just to do little things here and there for me. But no, currently it's just me. Which and that's that's yeah. what I was sort of going to ask. Is yeah, is this is this the the type of job that an assistant can do, or is it oh. not because it's 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 Jordan is the man who's doing the work, therefore it's all in Jordan's head. No, I I want to be the maker, not the the kind of businessy brain behind the operation, but. Yeah. I'm forced to be both. So, I mean, for me, I think my time is best spent making or designing items, not so much going into keeping track of uh, where clients are at with payments, where clients are at with quotes or anything like that. But if I'm not following up on these things quite constantly, then I run the risk of either losing a client or not knowing that there's been a change to what they require and all that sort of stuff. So... It does spread you pretty thin at times, trying to stay on top of everything. Mm. But at the same time, I have starting, like I'm starting to notice that I've got this kind of internal monologue about what has to be done yeah. and by when. Now, it's not necessarily on paper, but I have like a mental uh, deadline for yeah. this base has to be assembled so the top can go on and it's not sitting out of finish for too long, risking yeah. that it's going to warp and blah, blah, blah. Mm. So I do have it kind of itemized, but it's just a mental kind of itemization of what needs to happen. But what does uh, what does happen is that only really applies to the build, not right. anything, not anything that's important for the actual business itself to grow. So I don't have that with like following up on invoices or um, making sure that accounts are settled and all that sort of stuff, which is terrible. But my accounting software is pretty good at at least sending me reminders. So, uh, Ben over in the chat, you guys will get to meet Ben uh, in May. He's coming down to the Maker Meetup. Um, he's talked about using Trello for lists. Now, I used to use Trello. It's basically like an organizational type of uh, website where you can write lists, reorganize it, do all that. I used to use it for my day job. The problem comes in, though, is that you've now just added more overhead on what you need to do. And if you aren't religiously checking that, that just turns into a, another sort of point of fail. So yeah, you, I'd you agree with that. All your eggs into that basket, then if something goes wrong there, then, then that falls over. And, and that's not to say that it's a bad thing because I used it for probably about a year and it was fantastic. But at some point I, I drifted away from it and then, it was, and then that was it. The, it is, its value was gone. Is right. that like a project management software or is it just a list software well let, let, let's call it project management on a on a very broad spectrum Simple, right. yeah yeah like I, I do have a like my favorite method for keeping track is i've got two whiteboards in my office mm. and on one whiteboard it's like what has to happen and kind of in which order i want it to happen if i have multiple things on the go yeah uh, and on the other it's personal or well, not personal but not uh, project related things so if I have to update my website if I have to do follow up emails and all that sort of stuff I will put a note on there but 
the issue with that, of course, is you have to look at it. Mm. And I don't always look at it every day because I'll open the door and I'll get straight into a project and it's four o'clock before I even sit in the office. Mm. Yeah. So, you know, it's downfalls to it, but it does it does work for me sometimes. Joey, do you think you would benefit from some having someone like that? Cuffy's just talked about every, everyone he every furniture maker, woodwork I've has has been married it's been a married couple so basically it's the, the you know the husband right. and wife would because i know your your yeah. partner she's involved anyway would that yeah. help if she was taking care of that side of it or is it not something she can do do you need another woodworker in the business to go out and do the measurements and take the quotes and do all of I, that i i i think if, oh, how do you say this um I need to be the one. To, <laughs> I need to be the one to do the site visits um, because I, I need you, you. Often need to make kind of split decisions about how something needs to be made right on the spot because you can see that there's going to be a problem if you go down one track or the other. Um, and also, I just when it comes to like say a five six seven thousand dollar bookcase that's got to fit between two walls i want to be the guy who made that measurement to make it the right width um because if someone made an awesome hundred mil mistake and wrote down the wrong number yeah, yeah. and it's too big or too small then uh not much fun so that, that, that comes because surely at, at some point as an entrepreneur, you want your business to grow. So at some point, you no. you, you don't think – so you never want to let go of those reins, ever. Um, I don't want my business to grow. And okay. that's probably a very strange um, point of view. But that's um, – I, I talk about this a bit in the article I wrote about running a business, um, that every business school is going to tell you the point of business is to increase um, – turnover and make the shareholders happy. Yes, I remember this bit in the audit, yeah. They make your shareholders happy that their investment is growing. Um, the problem is exactly this, is that you get to a point where you stop becoming the furniture maker and you start becoming a businessman. And that's not what I want to do. I've, I've had a business before when I was building. I had four full-time employees and I didn't pick up a hammer for months. I was just stuck in the office organizing stuff and quoting. That mm. is not fun. And it's not you're not a maker anymore. You're you're a businessman. And so my goal is to keep my business as best as possible, the size it is, with the same amount of work coming in, um, and maintain my income. I don't want to earn gazillions of dollars. If you mm. do want to earn gazillions of dollars, stop being a woodworker. <laughs> 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 that's not how it works um and so it's a matter of managing or i'm constantly trying to manage um or increase the efficiency i suppose which is this whole topic about um can we can i um yeah make my day smoother and kind of decrease the stress, whatever stress there is about keeping track of these things. And I probably should somehow sit down and write some kind of um, 
system process for dealing with this, but I still haven't come up with a, something that works. Mm. Yeah, because that's a that's a real tricky one. If you if you want to wear all the hats, but and you're not willing to give up any of that responsibility, you you can't. I mean, there's no way that you can foresee these awkward or, or tricky situations coming up. Um, yeah, it's not I, about not willing. I'm not. It's not that I'm not willing to give it up. Um, I probably would give up. And I like, and I do. I have my employee and my assistant who works, um, you know, four hours a day for me. Mm. Um, and that took a bit to just give him a job, and I pretty much not touch it. Mm-hmm. Uh, that that's um, tough to watch someone doing something that you wouldn't necessarily do it that way, but you can't say anything. Oh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, sometimes I do, but try not to. <laughs> um, I forgot where I was going with this. So <laughs> about not letting, not yeah, letting go. Yeah, I would. It's not that I want to be a hundred percent in control. It's that I, at the end of the day, I'm the one who's got to quote a job. Mm. I'm the one who's putting in money, a monetary value on it. And so if I, if I see somebody working, dragging their feet, spending way too much time on a, on a process that I know should only take two minutes. Mm. You know, um, it's just like money signs falling in the gutter. You know, it's just okay, I'm losing yeah. money. This this shouldn't take this long. And so there's got to be you, you can't just hand over a job to to someone who's not capable. Um, the problem there, certainly here, is that I can't just fire someone. I, I'm not sure what it's like in the rest of the world. Yeah. Once you employ somebody, it's very difficult. If even if they're doing a terrible job, you can't just sack them. Mm. I think, so, um, like, I think that's a probably a very similar mentality to what I have with running the business side of things. But I think the thing that I like to keep on the kind of keep on. God, sorry, I cannot speak today. I'm very tired. <laughs> the thing I am trying to keep aware of is that me as the business owner, my time should be worth a certain amount, and if it's a task that can be handed off to someone else. Then it may and and they can do it better, but also cheaper than you can. So they might charge twenty two dollars an hour to come and do your books, and mm. it takes them an hour and a half, and it would have taken you three hours, and you should mm. be making forty six dollars an hour minimum. You know, it makes sense for the business to say, "Well, we'll hire this person to do this," um, but it's not really got anything to do with the actual business product yeah. that is product or service. It's just the internal running of business items which i feel mm-hmm. that has to be applied to yeah does that make sense i have yeah yeah it does okay cool it's, yeah, it, it's, yeah it's, it's a really interesting distinction here because what we're sort of saying is you know doing the accounting that side of thing that's fine hand it off to someone else but when it comes down to the real um what's the word with the rubber hits the road nuts and bolts <laughs> yeah. that's where you as the as the craftsman have to be involved but that's where you as the craftsman are taking on far too much responsibility so what do you do yeah like well so in my case when I, with i've got my employee i i will generally i give him the jobs which are simpler and can be done you know pretty easily so monday morning come in and say this is a job You've got these three sheets of plywood. You need to make up these boxes. Um, this is the size they need to be. Um, this is how I'd do it. I'd 
cut this piece first and this piece and then you could screw the back on this way yep that sounds like a plan and generally i'll say by the end of the day or by the end of your day uh, we want to be at this point so tomorrow we can crack through these last stages and we're finished and mm. like a, a good overview of how i want things to to go for the job yeah that and generally that works pretty well and i can just kind of turn my back and get into whatever it is i'm doing um now and, sorry continue no no you go I was just going to uh, add to that because I'm about to bring someone on just for one day a week initially. Um, and because I feel like as far as I go, I can be taking on more projects than I am. Uh, it's just a matter of, you know, securing it and keeping on top of things. But my issue is that once I start taking on more projects, I will need someone that I can trust mm. to do the projects without trust my anything, input. Yeah. And where I'm kind of coming from at this stage, at least, is I have my online sales of chopping boards, which go quite well, um, and I'm planning to increase that. And what I'm going to do initially is say, all right, well, this is your task, and I'll take them through the entire process of making an end-grain chopping board and a, a laser-cut chopping board and everything like that because it will teach them the way that I expect to be worked in the workshop, so the way to mill the timber, how to glue it up, how to... Uh, flatten it and sand it and it's a simple project that doesn't matter if they stuff it up mm. um, but they can still batch out 10 in a day and they're learning the processes of everything that kind of goes on in the workshop day but to day you, you and just then, said, sorry no no you just said a really interesting thing which is they could batch out 10 in a day now you right. might be able to batch out 10 in a day because you love what you're doing yes yeah, but they and this is the biggest problem. And um, and what's his name? Um, Chris Vesper from Vesper Tools is. If you have a look at his Instagram, he's been trying to find a helper exactly in the same situation. He's been trying to find somebody who can do machining for him on a steel tooling. And probably for the better part of three months, he's been looking for somebody, and he can't find anyone with quality skills. Right. The problem is it's a mix of skills and passion. And yeah. then if you find somebody with the passion and the skills, they're almost always doing their own thing already, or they want to be paid the same as what you're getting paid, which does yeah. not work for a business. You might as well do it yourself. <laughs> so that is so having that quality staff person who you really want, mm -hmm. in my experience, is just about possible to find. Yeah, right. Um, so you almost always have to go to somebody who just wants a job who is capable, which is fine, but the productivity goes down. Yeah. And so then there's a there's an area of uh, does this work? <laughs> yeah. So it's that that balance of finding someone that is going to have the passion about what they're doing, but not expect to be your actual partner. Yeah. Right. I mean, yeah. I mean, I can see how uh, my little my little statement of having them come in and make chopping boards could be seen as what a shitty job that is. <laughs> but it's not. It's not like this isn't just their job. It's just initially to get them going into it and hopefully that, see the quality come through. Your description of that job is way more exciting than putting a cheeseburger together. Oh, totally. So but maybe there's not levels and there's levels of excitements of jobs. <laughs> yeah. 
But yeah, with any luck, I can find someone. But I won't, <laughs> won't hold my breath. Yeah. Well, one thing I, I wanted to mention, because we kind of swung a little bit off topic, I think, but we, uh, we're we there. Did, yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. This is the Shop Still <laughs> podcast. I mean, come on. <laughs> yeah. That's what we do. We go off topic. Um, it's like we get a topic and then say everything that is not to do with that topic. <laughs> <laughs> Something we could talk about, but we're not going to. <laughs> so, getting job, getting uh, when you've got multiple jobs to do in the in the workshop, it used to be that I would I would come in and say, right, I've got this task to do. I've got twenty dovetails to cut, and I'm going to sit down and cut these twenty dovetails, and then I'm going to move on to the next step, and then I can move on to the next step, and everything's going to be great. Now, my approach is, I've got twenty dovetails to cut by the end of the day if I can get that done by the end of the day and so I can sit down and cut three and then quickly go and sand a bench top and put some clear coat on it and then I can come back and I can cut two more dovetails and I can go back and it's being willing to stop what you're doing and kind of change your brain to the other job um, yeah. and getting that done and it's, and having I find having an end of the day goal is much better for productivity than having uh, a linear kind of process by process mm. goaling. Um, I'm not sure if that makes sense, but it, it certainly has helped me actually get stuff done. Yeah. No, I, I work in the same way of end of day goal. So as, as long as this is done by the end of the day, it doesn't necessarily matter in which order you do it in. Yeah. As long as it's done. Like, That's right. I find it to also be a lot more productive to the way I work anyway. Mm-hmm. Uh, it doesn't always get done, but it's like close enough where I slightly achieve what should be the next day, so I yeah. balances out. But generally, I'm, I stick to it pretty well. Hmm. Yeah. Cool. Well, All right. <laughs> <laughs> let's. Uh, we've got a few minutes left, so let's move on to some questions. Um, got one here from Hustle Smith makes through Instagram. Podcast question, can you guys define how much a pack of lumber would be? At my lumber yard, if I need to pick through something, it's normally just a random amount bought out on a bobcat. Also, if you just use inches, it would make more sense to me. No, uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't going to say anything, but yeah, this is, I guess this is the one, the one woodworking podcast where they don't use inches. You know what you can do is you can use Google, like the rest of the world, American stuff. Yeah, so Joey, how would you define a pack? Well, a packet in my timber yard is anything that is strapped up as one bundle. So, so it's not a defined size or, or volume? Um, they, they, they vary because the timber's sizes vary. Mm. And I think they have physical size limits, but that doesn't necessarily equate to the actual cubic volume of timber in that packet because of lengths and stuff. You can often have kind of voids in the middle of a packet because they've just mm. kind of packed it square to, to stack, but actually it's got kind of bits missing inside internally. Um, so generally a pack, I think, is about four cubes. That's like yeah. new. So when new you talk about boat. cubes, you're talking about that's that's volume, right? Cubic meter. Yeah. Cubic yeah. meter, yeah. So then so but it's about so four th- meters long by a meter high and whatever that makes it, a meter and a half wide. 
but again, you're still going to be getting those voids. So you, it's not actually four cubic meters. They, of wood. No, they, no, they, they, yeah, they. So they measure every piece of lumber that goes in that um, stack. Yeah. And then that all gets added up, and that is what happens to be in that bundle of timber. Um, okay. So that's often why pack rate is also a lot. Well, often a bit cheaper than yeah. buying by the length as well, because you don't necessarily know what you're getting in that pack. Yeah. Like you might have in the middle of it, like you said, half of it it's weighing. So it's like usable or it's not fully usable. Yeah. So my timber yard has well, sometimes will pull down a whole pack for me that's strapped up, cut the straps, I'll pull out what I need they will just deduct what I took from the tally that they, the last tally they had. And mm. that's the new size of that pack. They'll put straps back on it and then they could sell it as a pack again with the new tally on it. Right. Okay. Fair enough. Yeah, I think, I think my supplier will sell packs as little as one cubic meter. That's what they'll consider a pack, but it comes yeah, exactly like you. Everything's different. Hmm doesn't have a standardized volume. Hmm. All right. So the next question comes from a guy by the name of Robin Lewis up in Townsville. Um, this is what? one of the joys of having this show is that it's a perfect place to ask questions. <laughs> um, so I've just bought myself a whole stack of weatherboards that if you're watching live, that's what is behind me. It's about 100 lineal meters of, of weatherboards, pine-treated weatherboards. And on we the are in the States. That is siding. I believe they call it siding. Yes, siding. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, so on the when I got it, it had a little docket about how it was treated with a solvent-based treatment. Yep. And they said, don't prime it until you've given that solvent enough time to, you know, evaporate. Yeah, gas off. Yep. Off gas. Yeah. Yeah. How long is that? Like they don't tell you how long. They just say sort of wait a while is the is the idea that you're supposed to install it then paint it because in my mind i want to paint the inside and everything and is it then pre-primed it. no it's not pre-primed so you have to seal the inside of the weatherboard yeah otherwise it's going to cut on you mm. if you just paint one side so generally it's best to try and stip, strip stack it a little bit and get a bit more airflow but because it is such a heavy solvent, I forget the exact which one it is. I used to know it. Um, it should only take about three or four days to, to off-gas. You would probably actually almost be able to feel a dampness on the timber, um, and that will be the solvent. Uh, so it's just heavier because, like, right now I'm I'm almost flying in the clouds with all that. <laughs> yeah, it's very strong. You smell um, it. You, you, that smell won't go away, so don't judge it by the smell. Right, okay. So the – the fact that it's not damp means that it's it's probably ready to go. Yeah, because yeah, you just want to get rid of that that solvent, so then something will stick to it. Otherwise, it's essentially like trying to paint over paint thinners, which is not going to work out so well. <laughs> right. Okay. Okay. So it's not like I got the impression that you trapping those vapors in is going to be bad for the wood. That was uh, the impression that I got. It can be a problem in some timbers that the vapor comes out and then bubbles the paint from the inside. Mm. but I've only really heard of that happening on hardwoods where the vapor takes a long time to come out through the, the um, denser fibers. Yeah. Um, I think it probably very well could happen on weatherboards if it's really moist with the, um, the chemicals on there. 
Mm. Yeah, well, this is this is pretty cheapo pine, so I'm, I'm pretty sure it's yeah, it's not. It's certainly not dense enough to hold anything. I, I picked the first board up and did that whole run, and I just about launched it into the you know into the sky because I couldn't believe how light the thing was. It was like a wafer. So I'm a little bit disappointed. I hope that it's going to hold up. But yeah, okay. Well, that's fine because yeah, I want to start getting the the, the paint onto this as soon as possible to, to yeah. try and reduce any movement. Um, so uh, it's going to move as soon as it's outside. So yeah, I don't worry too much about that. <laughs> it's oh, but that's fine. Once once it's fixed in place, hopefully it no, won't. You will actually find if you paint, so you might put it all up and paint it. It'd be really nice. In six months, yeah, it'll right. all shrink. And you'll see that with strips um, on where the, on the overlaps where the paint didn't get, and you'll probably have to repaint that in six months or a year. It would just shrink, so that you can't stop that. I was planning on painting all of the boards, all four yeah. sides, and then installing it. Right, on, on doing all of the coats on them. Yeah. Okay. Well, you could do that. Yeah, sure. Is that That's, not the way you should, you should? Is that not the well, way that generally you just do a ceiling coat on the back? All on all four sides, you'd seal it, and then on the front side, after they're installed, you would do the three three extra coats. Ah, I thought you had to do all the coats, all three, two or three coats on all sides yeah, before it goes. I mean, that's certainly very um, good. Well, mm. No one probably does it, and you'll probably have no issues with them then. But that's <laughs> a lot of work. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah, a lot of paint because you don't need to paint the back to look good. It just has to be sealed. So one coat on the back, that's enough. I would say so, yeah. Okay. Oh, cool. All right. Um, so we do you guys have any videos that you want to mention in the uh, yeah. Uh, oh, I I'm shamably gonna say I have got nothing really because I just have not had time. No, well, that's fine, yeah, because we don't we don't actually have any links um, yeah. on this video, so we'll leave it at that. But what I do want to do is I want to point out one uh, one article that I saw and I've posted this on the yeah. Shop Still Podcast Facebook page. So if you are listening, head over to Facebook, search the Shop Still Podcast, and you can find the Facebook page. I've posted. <laughs> you better posted, like it. <laughs> yeah. I posted an article um, and it's titled, Is This a Bath for Joey? It's a woodworker is turning, is, is basically making full bathtubs out of hardwood. Right. Marine grade varnish on it. This thing is beautiful. I, Is he I, from South Africa? Um, NK Woodworking. Mm, Prices for the Lotus model picture. Lotus model pictured here started $30,000. But uh, That's a bit much. Just, it's just amazing. <laughs> anyway, I've, I thought of you with your wooden bathroom, Joey. That would, would fit in perfect. Yeah, someone, my, my uh, production manager was talking to me about Oh, I saw this uh, cool article on Facebook about a wooden bath, and I was like, "Oh yeah, I wonder if that's my my Matt Joey." <laughs> oh, you know, I was like, "Could do." He, he made a pretty nice one out of cedar. <laughs> I actually had I've had three serious offers on making those baths, and all of them I've said, "Look, I just can't. I don't know what it's going to be like in five years." You know, yeah, you can't guarantee. I've only been that. using it for not even a year, um, and one guy actually wanted two out of walnut. Wow. And I was like, okay, sounds like a nice job. I wouldn't mind taking your money off you. But if this thing splits in half, like I can't, like I just can't do that. So you've got to give me a couple of years of use before anything happens. Yeah. So. 
I wonder if you could like skin it with a fiberglass so you yeah, got that extra safety. Definitely. I think inside of it should be should have been fiberglassed. Yeah. And then you, you can just wrap as you like. Should have or do you think oh, you could get away without be, it? Uh, you Beneficial. I'd, I'd get away without it. But yeah. I think any like it doesn't take you can have a very small crack is gonna let water out with fiberglass and it's just gonna lock the whole thing together and even yeah. if the timber manages to crack or a void opens up, that fiberglass in theory will kind of bridge like it. Like a skin. Yeah. And the fiberglass is, you, it's obviously clear, but can you get a, a pretty high gloss finish, a clear, um, crystal clear finish on it? Oh, yeah, yeah, you can. And that was kind of the problem. And it's probably a whole subject in itself. Um, my thinking at the time was that you needed to have a mold. You have a, a glossy kind of mold and then your fiberglass over that and when you pull everything off the mold, you, you're left with the perfect glassy finish. Mm. Um, uh, then so that would make an, an, an upside down kind of inverse bath mold. And I wanted it to be free form and I had no idea what it was actually going to end up like. So uh, I've been since found out that I could have done it just by laying fiberglass inside and sanding it back and doing some process. Yeah, they're not that bad. You should check out my uh, video of how to fiberglass a paddle. Yeah, because yeah, because you did that. <laughs> that's uh, yeah, that's what I was thinking back to. Looking at the website, each each is then finished with a specialized clear composite barrier for unmatched durability and longevity. So yes, there must be some kind of um, yeah. thing going. What he's saying there is fiberglass. <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> it's interesting. So yeah, I guess. A few years ago, the idea of a wooden bath was just like, well, that's just ridiculous. Who would do that? Slowly but surely, more people are going to start doing this. We're all talking about it. You know, and I wonder if that mentality of you can't do it is just going to fall away. There's at least one guy in the States and one guy, I believe, in Ireland. This guy was in uh, Seattle. Right. So, I mean, um, they have been around for a while. Hmm. Cool. All have right. you seen the one? Oh, sorry. No, no, go for it, John. Go for it. I was it. just going to say, have you seen a bath that is carved out of a full log? No, I don't know. Oh, it's beautiful. I'll, I'll have to find it and put it uh, in the next week's show because it is just stunning. Is it just sitting out in the woods then? No, nah, it's in someone's bathroom with <laughs> massive slate tiles. and Oh, it just looks amazing. That's awesome. Yeah, I want it. Yeah, so if you want to see this bath that we're talking about, um, yeah, head over to the Shopstore Podcast Facebook page and you can find it there. Um other than that, uh, anything else from you guys before we wrap it up? Nope. No, I'm looking forward to getting back to my workshop. You know, I, I ask this question every week, hopeful that there's just going to be some just burst of creativity. But it's fun. Well, I'll keep trying. <laughs> Next so, week, I promise. Just giving all of my effort out there. Um, so, yeah, just one more push again about the uh, – we're doing a talk at the Marlini uh, Wood Expo on the 5th of – May, we're going to be doing a talk at about 12.30 and then later that evening we'll be heading down to Brisbane to the Fox Hotel to do a bit of a meet, uh, maker meetup. Anyone who's interested can come along and, and have a beer with us. We'd really appreciate seeing you guys. And Jordan has just let, in, let out a... We, we might talk about this later. No, no, I just remembered I oh, have got okay. an announcement. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah. So after the Mulaney Wood Show, the following weekend in Perth, I'm going to be at the Perth Wood School to come down and say hello for their open day. It is the 9th, I believe, of April. Oh, cool. Awesome. So if you're in Perth and you can't make it to that meetup, 
and cool. Jordan will put on on basically all three of our personalities. So, oh, sweet. Yeah, that's cool. Um, Cuffy, are you shouting the beers? Uh, depending how many people we were, you know what? I actually will. If we have uh, a people, I will shout a, a beer or two. Big cool. There's some really cheap beers down in Brisbane, so <laughs> that may not be to your to your advantage. Your Melbourne bitters. <laughs> all right, everybody. Well, thanks very much for tuning in. Um, as always, my name is Robin Lewis from Robin Lewis Makes, joined by Joey Chalk from King Post Timberworks and John Crawford from Periodic Furniture Studio. Uh, thanks very much for everyone uh, joining in in the chat. It's always good to see you guys, and thanks for listening if you were on iTunes. We'll talk to you all again, same time, same place next week. See ya. See ya.